everyone. <laughs> and welcome back. Thanks for tuning in. Ryan here, one of your hosts for the SFC podcast, a podcast about what it looks like to be the light of Jesus in the ski and snowboard culture. All right. So for those of you who might be joining us for the first time, we're currently in a series called SFC Ask Me Anything. It's a series dedicated to answering questions that you, the listener, might have about ministry, theology, engaging with people on the mountain, having gospel conversations with people on the mountain, or really just anything that is on your mind. Before this series launched, we spent several weeks asking people to submit questions to our little support office about things that they were processing and working through or just wanted more information about. We felt like the end of the season was a good time to launch this specific series because many of you just wrapped up a season of ministry on the mountain or in a resort town. And so we know that you're reflecting on the season and and processing through some different things. And we wanted to hear about that. And so the SFC Ask Me Anything series was born. And we're on our third week. And this is the third question of our series. The question that we're dealing with this week is how do you keep the stoke for ministry in dry seasons? For those of you who don't know what stoke is, <laughs> it's just another way of saying excitement or passion. So how do you keep your excitement or passion going for ministry in dry seasons? It's a great question because it's something that many of us deal with, uh, trying to figure out how to keep the excitement and passion going, whether that's our relationship with the Lord or the drive to keep serving and ministering to people in our community. So joining me today to help tackle this question is SFC's international team captain, Joshua Stock. Yes. Josh was on last week's episode where we talked about how SFC tries to measure its success or how do we go about doing that. And I wanted Josh to come back for this one because as we said in last week's episode, Josh has been doing this for quite some time. He's been working with SFC and doing action sports resort type ministry in different capacities for the last 17-ish years. So he's he's got some skin in the game, and I feel like his experience will be helpful as we talk about this specific question. So welcome back, Josh. Thanks again for joining us. Thanks for having me, Ryan. You're a good friend for bringing me in for these hard questions. <laughs> yeah, no problem. I like this one. I like where this one's going. Though. Yeah, this is a good one. This is a good one. So, all right, Josh, you heard the question. Mm. How do you keep the stoke for ministry going? in dry seasons let's let's have a dialogue about this because i know that we've both experienced this in different ways we sure have yeah and when i first saw this question i thought do they mean dry seasons as in literally summertime but i don't think that's what they were going for because for us here in the sfc support office there is no summertime it feels like like we create resources and stuff in the summer but there's always the Southern Hemisphere, too. We mm, we can chase that snow. We can <laughs> chase that winter. But I think they mean in dry seasons spiritually. How do we, how do we keep the stoke alive? And um, like you said, we have not always done this well. <laughs> I think we've often done this poorly. I think we've often not managed the stoke. We've not managed the, the hype for ministry. We've, we've burned out. And so I think that anything positive we have to say, any lessons we've learned for the positive have probably come from our negative experiences, our failings. You know, that's, that's a lot of time. That's how you learn. You know, you try a trick and you 
fall 15 times before you land it. And that makes <laughs> the success all the sweeter. So if you don't mind, Ryan, I'd like to approach this question a little differently. Um, Ryan and I were both born and raised on the East Coast, and there's a little bit of sarcasm that sometimes happens with our sense of humor. And so warning, East Coast sarcasm ahead. I think I'd like to talk about how to keep the stoke how to try and keep the stoke and fail miserably. What are a couple of ways you can fail real hard trying to keep the stoke alive? So my first point would, would be how to keep the stoke and fail miserably. Run yourself into the ground. Say yes to every opportunity, to everything, because your identity has to be wrapped up in how well you can do and how much you can do and how you can prove yourself to people. I think that's a great way to burn yourself out. Mm -hmm. I think that's a great way to do a terrible job at keeping the stoke alive, right? Man, we've, we've done this so poorly. We, I've done this poorly like a champ, Ryan. I think part of my personality, like I, I'm one of those people who just wants adventure. I want something new. I want, I, I have a hard time saying no to things. And so for a long time, we just said yes to everything. And, and we had sort of some twisted motives in there. You know, at first, when we, when we first started this thing, we were saying, man, people just don't have any respect for snowboarding for Jesus. Like people just see or hear what we do and they laugh at it because they don't understand it. And so the way we'll prove ourselves worthy is by working our butts off and, and never saying no to any opportunity and just going, 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 never slowing down, never taking time to rest. And we did that. I think we did that really well. The, the, the board actually forced me to take a sabbatical because I was so burnt out and I didn't know how to say no. And I was married and had a child and all this other stuff. And I was just, I was just running myself into the ground because I thought this is how we prove ourselves is by never resting. And that was just such a terrible idea. Yeah, I think uh, not only I, I, I can relate and resonate with some of the personality Good. stuff. I come from a family of laborers, and so I just watch them work incredibly hard. And those that's, that's good stuff. Like I, I appreciate their work ethic, but when I got into ministry, I brought that with me. And it was really hard for me to turn off work when I would go home. I think part of it is personality. I think another part of it is just we live in, in a culture. They call it, it's called hustle culture. We, we literally, it's, it's, a, it's a value to be able to show just how much you can do. And you take on all of these different roles or, or different opportunities in order to probably prove something to other people, prove something to yourself that you're capable or whatever it might be. But I think that that's part of our culture. We value when we see somebody out there and they're working their tail off and, and I don't know, like we, there's something about that, that we admire, but I think we've learned in, in ministry specifically. I, I know I learned, I'm going to speak for myself. I know that I've learned, I've neglected my family by just saying yes to every opportunity coming home and coming home from work. And then the only thing on my mind is work. And then like seeing my kids there and and not engaging with them because I want to check email and make sure that I'm responding right away when something comes in. And I think that that's difficult. I know we've talked about this in kind of the last week's episode, but we're, we're support driven. We're a support driven ministry. And there's this, I think part of the reason we want to work really hard and we say yes to everything is because we want to prove ourselves to the people that are supporting and investing their money into this ministry. We want to prove that like we are working very, very hard and diligently to see this thing through. I 100% resonate with what you're saying. Yeah. So that's, so that's the first one is, is on my list that I had here was, uh, if you want to keep the stoke 
and fail miserably, just run yourself into the ground. And, and so, I mean, it goes without saying, but the lesson is you've got to rest, right? You, we, we, we have to learn to make margins for that stuff. And I think we can see that in Jesus's example. Um, he was, he was sneaking away. Um, he was calling his disciples away when they came back from, from a missionary trip or whatever. And he was, he was creating that time. He was finding that, that balance of, of work and rest. Hmm. Um, he was, he was finding time to sneak away and get away with the father. They'd wake up and he, he was gone. You know, he, he lived that rest and Sabbath is, is very much part of, I mean, God literally created us needing rest. Our, Mm -hmm. our physical bodies need literally if you think of them as machines, they like have to shut off for like a third of the day (laughs) every day to just like, like power down because God recognized that our living beings, we need rest. Like you Mm -hmm. can't go physically without rest for very long until you just completely collapse. And so for us, it's like, well, why would we think that that's not the same for the way we minister and the way we treat our lives spiritually? You know, we need, we need that rest. And so please rest. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's like you just said though, it's, it's God modeled this for us. Jesus modeled this for us in ministry. It was actually, he thought it was so important that he commanded it of his people that they should rest. (laughs) He, He commanded it of the ground. You know what I mean? Like that they should let the I think, what is it, every seventh year, they were to take a year off of cultivating the ground, which I think scientifically even <laughs> is proven. It's funny how a lot of times we'll, we as a culture <laughs> will come back and be like, you know, it's actually, it's proven scientifically that taking time like a day to recoup is good for you. And it's like, <laughs> wait, what? God's been saying this for a thousand. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I think too, like, you were saying we just need to give ourselves time to rest because I've heard it said that you're no good to anyone if you've burnt yourself out. Mm -hmm. And, and so it might be hard to do at first because we're battling this inner voice that tells us that we're being lazy if we create any kind of margin in our life. But if you just say yes to everything, then how are you supposed to do any of those things? Well, I had this thought come to my mind that that whole um, jack of all trades, but master of none type of thing. Where how are we supposed to do any of those well if we're just saying yes to everything? Yeah, when we when we first started, one of one of our original leaders said, Oh, I heard the saying, if you want to spoil a man's vision, give him two. Like you can't focus on two things at the you know, we're talking science. Physically, your eyeballs can't focus on two things that you know, you're wall-eyed or cross-eyed or whatever. Like we we need to stay focused and the more things we just keep saying yes to, the more easily it is to get distracted and burn out. And so I think we've exhausted that first, mm. my first one. So the second one, I think, uh, how to keep the stoke alive in dry seasons really poorly is to isolate yourself, single yourself out because man, you don't need anyone. You're a perfectly self-sustaining individual. You're an island. You're And you're always the rightest one. And no one can ever add anything to your life or your mission. Nobody can tell you what to do. Never ever delegate or get anyone else involved because no one does it as well as you do. Just caught up, like looking at what you have to do. You're looking down at all of the works of your hand, all the things you're, all the, just looking down. We get caught looking down 
down and it's so easy to get fooled into thinking, man, I've got this, I've got it all together, you know, and just, just thinking that we have it all handled. When Floyd and I first started SFC here in Summit, um, there were, man, there were so many times where it just felt like we're doing, I, I am doing this thing. This is my thing, you know, and you like, you forget that there are other people with other gifts and and other strengths around you and people who have time and who have passion and who want to help you do the thing. And after Floyd left and I was sort of in, I was sort of a one man zone there between trying to do the local stuff and then trying to do the national stuff before Randy came on. Then it was like, and then when Randy came on, I was like, I'm going to take the international stuff. And I sort of went solo again. And it was, I've had these like seasons of, of being solo and, and some of that's good that you can set direction, but some of it was just so frustrating because I just got in my own head mm-hmm. and and felt like, man, there's nobody but me. And that is so dangerous. It's dangerous emotionally and spiritually and 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 as a leader, like to feel like you're all alone. It's it can be so dangerous to be isolated and to isolate yourself. Yeah, I would agree. I think it's easy for us to, to like you said, you are the rightest and no one can add anything <laughs> to the thing. I mean, part of it is just that we think rather than spending the time teaching somebody else how to do it, we could just do it faster. It'll get done and then we can move on with the next thing. But part of discipleship is bringing people along and, and showing them the way. Uh, Jesus was surrounded with people. Jesus wasn't isolated other than like the time that he would withdraw to spend time with the father, but he had the 12 with him the entire time. And he would delegate things. I mean, he sent them out multiple times. He sent out the 12 and he sent out the 72 to go and to proclaim the gospel, the good news. And he was training them to go and to do this thing. And we need to learn from that. Like if we're to be discipling people the way that Jesus discipled people, we need to bring people along, show them how to do it, recognize that they have gifts and and talents that we don't have and let them live into that and coach them through it, maybe any failures that they might have, but yeah, bring them along. I, I heard it was, I was really challenged when I read in a book somewhere that you should be working or training somebody to take your job. And I was really challenged with that because I think sometimes it, the reason we isolate ourselves is because we like the notoriety. We like when people are like, man, I recognize how much you do and you're really good at this thing. And so if we bring somebody along, we selfishly are like, oh, they're going to start to get the attention. And then God forbid that they're actually better at it than we are, right? Like this is part of what it means to to disciple people is we bring people along, we pass the baton and we celebrate what God is doing in their life. We celebrate their wins. We celebrate the way that God is using them. And, but yeah, if we're just trying to do it all on our own, it, it can, we talk about burnout. You can run yourself into the ground pretty quickly if you're just trying to do it all single- yes single man band (laughs) one man band one man band yeah no i i have i yeah i know that one all too well so that's the second one is isolate yourself if you want to do a terrible job at keeping the stoke alive Mm. isolate yourself third one i have here is uh only do never take time to be only spend time in the word when you have to prepare a lesson or a sermon (laughs) don't ever don't ever get in there any other time because nobody has time to stop and care for their own soul when shoot other people need me to care for their souls (laughs) you know I mean it's like it's man it's just all on you all it just all rests on your shoulder again it comes back to that isolation kind of thing it's like we we fall into the trap of believing that man if I don't do this 
then it's just all going to come crumbling down. And so I, I just have to pull myself up by my bootstraps. I just have to man. I just got to like do this thing. And we literally, (laughs) Ryan smiling, we literally created a 20 part series on being and doing because we recognized in ourselves just the tendency to do and, and, and just act before we ever even think about it, you know, like before we ever stop to think of being a disciple, we just go, man, I just have to do discipleship. And like, we see it in ourselves. We've done it time and time again. We've failed at that. And we were like, man, this is so important that we learn this lesson ourselves and then teach it to each other Mm. and remind each other that, man, it's okay. Not only is it okay, it's good Mm. to stop, to stop for a little bit and be a disciple of Jesus and not just have to feel like you have to go and do and do and do and do, but to take the time to slow down. Yeah. I think personally, this is probably one of the more important ones for for me on this list, (laughs) because I think, I mean, Jesus constantly modeled this in in my humble opinion. He Mm. like, he would go and he would do a thing and then he would take time to remove himself to, to go and to be with the father um, I think of the feeding of the 5,000 and they wanted to make him king. And it says that Jesus withdrew. Um, obviously, that's probably partly because they wanted to make him a king for the wrong reasons. But I got to think also that if he needed time to withdraw and to be refreshed in the Father. And and I just think that that's so important. I mean, when I when I see Jesus or when the disciples, he sent the disciples out and they returned from their missionary journey. Jesus encouraged them to come away with him privately. I got to think that that was to be refreshed again in in the Father. Um, when he sent out the 72 and they're coming back and they're so excited about all the stuff that they did. And they're like, Jesus, we, we were casting out demons in <laughs> your name and they were subjected to us. And, and he's like, that's so great. But hey, rather than rejoicing that the spirits are subjected to you, rejoice in the fact that your names are written in the book of life. And I just think like as I, I, as I reflect on those, those accounts, those stories, the thing that comes to my mind is I just, I think Jesus knew how easy it would be for us to run off of the adrenaline of our past successes and accomplishments. I think it's easy for us once we taste success, we see things happen. We want to keep running with it because we crave more. Like we talked about this on the last episode. We, we, anytime we see something happening, we crave more of it. We want to just see more and more and more happen. But Jesus encouraged his disciples to come away with him privately to rest. And I think it's because Jesus wanted his disciples to maintain the right perspective. Be grateful for the right things. That way it doesn't become all about you. If it's all about you, what you're able to accomplish, then your self-esteem and your sense of self-worth, in my opinion, will rise and fall with how people respond to you and your ministry. And so I think it's really important. If you want to keep the stoke during dry seasons, you need to get time away with the Father. And I know that this is getting into a long answer, but I remember when I was in seminary and I was really excited. I was on fire when I got into seminary. And then I think it was like year two, I just started to burn out a little bit. And the Bible, which once I would open, like before I'd open it up and it was the word of God. It was like alive to me. It became a textbook to me. And I was like, just, I was getting really tired. And I I remember going to one of the professors that I really respected and, and asking him for his advice. And he just said, you need to take some time away and you need to take some time to be with God. You need to pray. And that's what I did. And it rekindled everything for me. And so if you want to keep the stoke in ministry, if you want to keep stoke in during dry seasons, you need to go and you need to be 
mm-hmm. with the Father. You need to be refreshed in the Father's love for you. You need to be reminded of your identity in Him. You need to be filled up so that you can effectively pour out. If you're just constantly pouring out, you're just going to eventually become empty. Yeah. I think it's an Iggy Pop song, Lust for Life. Have you ever heard that? No. Lust for Life. It, so it's like, we just want, and and I think our culture, like we just want to experience every, you know, like we love experience. It's as snowboarders and skiers, like we just want to send it. We just want to go for it. We want to go see new places. We want and we have a tendency to just sort of become gluttons of life. Like we, we just want to take it all in. And we want to, even as, as missionaries, we want to do it all. We want to, we want to save the world. We want to, you know, we have these, these insatiable appetites for experience and for success and for, for doing ministry and, and for seeing the kingdom. Like sometimes we just get so blinded by, we just want it all. And we want to just take it in all in and, and do it all and, and experience everything. And, and I think that that is just, it's absolute a perfect storm for burnout, right? Mm. It's an absolute perfect. When everything is special and when everything is pleasing, then nothing becomes special because it be, it becomes the same old thing. And, and you start to lose that sense of when it's just all due, you never, you forget how to be, mm-hmm. you know, and, and vice versa on the opposite side. If you just always thought and never acted, you know, it would be the same thing. It's like, but we need to find this tension, this balance of, of both, of, of spending time with the father, like you said, refreshing in the father, being rested like Jesus. We keep coming back to Jesus's model. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good thing, but like resting in the father and then going out and getting after it out of the, the filling that comes from being with him. Right. Mm-hmm. It, it, we hear this all the time in the church. Like you, you can't keep pouring out if you're never filled up. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, we have to find these times. We have to make these times, not just find them. Cause we say this all the time. You'll never find time in your schedule. I mean, as you, as you, you got your young parent, you're married, you know, like you've got two, three jobs. I don't know. <laughs> like you'll never just find time and just mm-hmm. be like, Oh, Hey, look, the next three hours open up. Like mm-hmm. we just don't, people are, if we don't set our schedules, people are going to set them for us. Right. And so we can't just find time. We have to make time. We have to be diligent about setting time to be with the father, to fill up, to refill because we know, and the question is about dry seasons. We know dry seasons are coming, mm-hmm. right? Jesus says in this world, you'll face many troubles, but take heart. I've overcome the world. Like we've got to prepare for the troubles that are coming mm-hmm. for the dry seasons that are coming. Jesus went and fasted for 40 days and spent 40 days in, in, in the wilderness, not as a test, but so that he could prep, mm-hmm. he could prepare, he could learn to trust the father. Like we need to, we need to learn to prepare before the dry seasons. And we mm-hmm. do that. Like we said here, I, you know, I guess a quick recap, we've got to rest. Mm-hmm. We've absolutely got to rest. We've, we've got to be spending time with the father and refilling, right? Mm-hmm. We've got to be remembering even. We we just, we held this conference recently and we were talking about the way we have hope for the future. If we, if you think of a timeline, you like, it goes left to right, you know, like we're right in the center. Right now is right in the center. Like the, the best way to have hope for the future out to the right there, out to the unknown, unknown is right now, right there in the center of the timeline, to remember back to the left, back what God has done for us. Mm-hmm. Because if we choose right now to remember what God's done for us in the past, that's what sets our hope for the future. We remember how faithful and how faithful and how faithful and how good he's been to us time and time and time again, whether it's just in our own personal life or back 
for the tradition, for the history of the church, for God's people. Mm-hmm. We remember what he's done and how faithful he's been. And we choose to do that right now so that in the future we go, I don't know what's going to happen in the future, but I know that he's going to take care of us. I know he's going to be faithful. He's always been faithful and he always will be faithful. He's the eternal one and he will be faithful. And so we prep in advance for these dry seasons by remembering our past right now where we are. We remember our past so that into the future, when the dry seasons come, we'll, we'll be set up. He'll, he'll be with us. We'll be strengthened. We've already been tested, you know? Yeah. We've already we've already learned the lesson so that we can prep for the dry seasons. Yeah, I think that that's really good. I I, th- I keep thinking back to the Old Testament and how God had commanded his people to have these festivals, to have these mm, feasts yeah. to celebrate. But the purpose of the celebration was remembering mm. God's faithfulness. And I, the, one of the stories that sticks out in my mind is when Moses has he's died and, and Joshua has now assumed leadership and they're about to enter into the promised land. And Joshua is commanded to set up an altar. Um, as they cross the Jordan and, and go into the land. And the purpose of that was so that when future generations would look and see that altar, they would say, what, what is that? And then they could speak of God's faithfulness and bringing them out of Egypt through the wilderness into the land that God had always promised them. And I remember I was taking a class on, on Joshua and Judges in, in college, and the professor took that to heart. He, he would have these stones in his house, like stones filled with in these like glass vases, vases, whatever Vases. it is, Vases. <laughs> and, uh, he, but he would write significant events on those rocks. And then anytime that he was feeling dry or stuck, he would take that jar down, pull rocks out and just remember God's faithfulness. And I, I remember being so impacted by that. And maybe that's what you need listener. Maybe that's what you need. You need mm. to create these very tangible, visible reminders of God's faithfulness because I think gratefulness is what can help us to get through dry seasons mm. for sure. So remembering that's such a good one. Mm. And all of those, I, we've talked about this before, but all of those festivals included an element of resting, mm-hmm. right? It was like, Hey, stop your regular rhythms. You're going to do this every year. You're going to, you know, you're going to celebrate this thing every year. You will stop working. And for seven days you will, you know, like they all, they all included this element of rest and then remembering what God has done and then even rejoicing over what God had done. It was rest, remember, and rejoice. And that was what set this regular rhythm of returning and remembering and being like, oh yeah, it's all going to be okay. Like calm down again, you know, remember what God has done and he'll be faithful to you. Mm -hmm. And that's, we've, we've got to do that. If we want to, if we want to stay strong through these dry seasons and keep the stoke alive, We've got to do that and we've got to do it together, right? One of the, one of the key bits of, of these celebrations was that they always got together with community. Mm-hmm. They had, a, they had meals together. They all came to the temple. They all like, we need each other. You know, like we said, if you want to do this poorly, isolate yourself. Isolate like we, yourself. we need, we need community. We need accountability to each other. We need encouragement from each other. We need to build each other up because the body is many parts, many different gifts that, you know, we can't all be ears. We can't, you know, the body needs each other. We need to operate well and whole and to bring lasting change to the world. We've got to be working together. We need community is absolutely essential to this. I would agree. I mean, it's, I'm going to go ahead and combine the book of Ephesians and Hebrews here to say that (laughs) we need one another. We need to, it says to not neglect to, to meet together. 
so that we could be reminded of who we are in Jesus and to continue to encourage one another and stir each other up to the, to the good works that God has prepared for us um, in advance to do. And so I think that that's incredibly important. Um, if you're in a dry season, you need other people in your life speaking encouragement over you. You need people walking alongside of you. I can only think that your dry season will last much longer than it has to if you isolate yourself. Mm. Yes, and we don't want that. No. <laughs> we get enough dry seasons. We don't need more of it. So I, I guess I don't sort of kind of wrap some of this up. I, I think as ministers of the gospel, as as you know, we see ourselves as missionaries where God has given us this this great commission to go out and to make disciples and to be light and to to bring hope uh, and change to the world. I think we've got to spend some time mm. with him understanding who we are and who he's made us and who he's called to be. And that we're not, you know, we're not earning this thing with our efforts or what, you know, like God has given, God has lavished on us grace upon grace upon grace. He's given us freely. Mm -hmm. He's, he's, Jesus has already done the thing. We don't have to strive for that. He's done it for us. And out of that place, we can go, man, I want to lavish grace on the world. I want to be grace. You know, he's, he's been gracious to me. I want to, I want to show that to the world. He's loved me. I want to show that to the world. He's forgiven me. I want to forgive. You know, we, I mean, every one of these examples, you're like, well, Jesus said, you know, we, we keep going back to Jesus's model. Like he was the picture of love and grace and strength through dry times. Jesus was literally sweating blood going, man, this is a hard one. I know what's coming up. I don't want to do this. God, you can do all things. Please take this cup from me. But if not your will and not mine be done. Right. I mean, he was the picture of strength Mm -hmm. and endurance in dry seasons. Mm -hmm. And so we keep coming back to that model and going, man, we need to spend time under that model, learning that model, consuming that model. Yeah. But it's like you said, I mean, if I could, one of the biggest takeaways for me in this conversation is when you said that we need to prepare for the dry seasons Mm. before the dry seasons come, you know what I mean? I mean, look at, if you do look at Jesus's ministry, look at how often he withdrew to be with the father Mm. prior to like, he knew what was coming. Look how often he withdrew to be with the father. And I think too, like sometimes for me, it's like, we just need to have a shift in our perspective and to recognize, like you said, dry seasons are going to come. Mm-hmm. They, they will. It's not always going to be super exciting. And like we thank God and rejoice in the really exciting times, but dry seasons will come. They just will. And if we can shift our perspective to not thinking that, oh, God is distant in this season. He's, uh, we were just talking about this this morning yeah. as a staff in Psalm 23, one of the greatest things about that psalm is not only is God with us and leading us into green pastures and by side still waters, he's also incredibly present and with us through the valley of the shadow Mm. of death. God is present in the dry seasons. And maybe we could shift our perspective and look at those dry seasons as as an opportunity to Mm. lean into him even more and to learn something. Maybe in those seasons, God is is challenging us to learn something about ourselves. Mm. and, And that will be an opportunity for us to have an even greater testimony about his faithfulness moving forward. I don't know, but I just think that rather than looking at it in those, as those dry seasons, as God is distant, he's not near to me. He doesn't care about me as no, God is still there. He still cares about you. 
maybe there's something that you can learn in this season. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's it. That's walk. That's, that's this idea of walking in step with the spirit. The spirit isn't just there to like be a good time. You know, like it's just not all parties. It's, it's sometimes, yo, dude, you need called out, you know, like Mm. the spirit convicts too. You know, the, the spirit encourages, the spirit teaches, the spirit is our helper. Like it's literally, like you said, it's with us, green pastures, valley of the shadow, you know, like literally if we're, if we take time to spend time with the spirit, even when the, when it feels dry and feels like if, if we've prepped in advance, then that's it. I mean, that's what will, will be our lasting strength. And it's not even like that Josh can get through this. It's literally that I I will collapse. You say this all the time. We collapse into him in our weakness. We go, God, I need you right now. You know, I need you right now. I can't Mm. take it anymore. You know, like Mm. I'm at the end of my road. Like I need, I need you right now. And, and that's when we can collapse into him because sometimes he feels the closest in those dry seasons when we're like, man, you're all I'm hanging on to. Mm-hmm. You're the last thread of hope that I have mm-hmm. is that I'm hanging on to you and I trust you because I've seen you do it in the past. Mm-hmm. I trust that you're here and I trust that you've got me. And this is all the hope. This is all the, every, every little bit of hope I have is in you because I can't anymore. I, in my weakness, you are made strong. Like, man, that's, it's, it's summed up in like, will we walk, choose to walk in step with the spirit? And do it now so that for when those dry seasons come, you will be strengthened. You'll have, you'll have the endurance to make it through by his strength. As you were talking, I just thought of this like kind of silly, but I feel like (laughs) practical, tangible (laughs) example. I mean, like you wouldn't show up to a marathon, like not having prepped in jeans, you know, well, not having prepped like months and months in advance running I like might going out and running to prepare for this. Thing. I mean, if you do, you yeah. could, let me say this, you could do that. It most likely will not go well. Right. But the reason people prepare for those is that when they, when the marathon, when that day comes, they're prepared, they have their, they built up their endurance. They're ready to go. And so, yeah, I think you're, you're 100% right is we take time to collapse. That should be our, honestly, I just feel like that should just be our normal posture of collapsing into Jesus, walking and learning to walk in step with the spirit day in and day out. So when those dry seasons come, we're prepared to endure. Well, Josh, I think this is a, this has been a really good conversation. There's a lot of things that you were saying that internally I'm just, I'm saying amen to, because it's, it's so good. And also our audio guy told us not to (laughs) don't respond in the moment keep it to yourself no i i'm just i'm i'm really encouraged by what you had to share i think you know we have learned a lot of the lessons that we've learned through doing it the wrong way or through failing and honestly i kind of look at those seasons as strange gifts i don't think i would have learned to lean into god in the same way had I not gone through those seasons. And so I am, while I, I wouldn't wish those on anybody. And while I wouldn't wish myself to go back through them sometimes, uh, I am, I do, I have learned to, to look at them as strange gifts and to be thankful for what I've learned coming out of those seasons. And, and so thank you for sharing your wisdom and, and what you've learned in the 17 years that you've been doing this. I think that our listeners will have a lot to glean from this conversation. 
As always, it's our prayer that these conversations help us all to bridge better and to shine brighter. That is always our prayer. We hope that you found something in here that was helpful and encouraging to you. Um, Thank you for tuning in and join us next week as we get into a pretty difficult conversation. (laughs) Difficult conversation. I'm going to let that hang though. (laughs) Um, Next week for another SFC Ask Me Anything question. Catch you next time.